The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And I am welcoming you to The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. Every week we look at some aspect of that, of how to build our operational intelligence into the physical landscape of work so that landscape can become a partner in our operational process, in our performance. The Visual Workplace allows us to reap huge bottom line benefits from making the workplace visual and also to create cultural alignment, a connectivity that will connect us across our departments, across our companies, and across our corporate structure as well. So I'm really delighted that you came to join us again today. Thank you very much. And today we're going to spend the whole show focusing on the work of Jeff Nelson, who is the founder and president of Expert OJT a company that he opened about 30 years ago. He's going to tell us about his background, and he's going to tell us about standards as they become visual, as they become uh, um, vessels or, let's say, vehicles for holding our standard operating procedures. He's been in this field now for 30 years, and he has much to tell us. So I want to welcome you to the Visual Workplace. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> You're welcome. And I would like to begin by asking you to give us a little sense of your background and the kinds of things that you've been doing that brought you to the work that you're in today. Okay. Let me, uh, first of all, the, the way that I got involved with this was back uh, working with the Training and Doctrine Command of the United States Army. And we were developing and trying to implement uh, the instructional systems design model. And at that time, it just seemed, you know, it was very helpful, a lot of information, but it seemed very complicated, at least to be used at the work level. And so I decided uh, at that point that when I uh, left that position, I was going to try to make it simpler, easier, and better for the people who do the work. And... That was really kind of the genesis of this whole approach that I've taken. And, you know, I think in one of the stories that I once heard you tell, you said that you had put together a document when, when you were in the Army of standards that was like literally a foot thick. Well, as it turns out, I didn't put it together, but it was developed for the Army. And, uh, yeah, it was five volumes 
And if you stacked them, uh, you know, on a table, it probably would have been a, a foot. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating slightly, but not a whole lot. Hmm. And the problem was that it was everything you could ever want to know about instructional design and standards, but it was written, really written at an academic level that just didn't seem to connect, at least in my opinion, connect with folks doing the work. And so you started your own company and you focused on standards. So please define for us what you mean by standards. And then later on in the show, we'll talk about making them visual. Okay, well, when, when we're using the term standards, of course, I'm, I'm referring to job aids. And typically, it's putting the information in their hands instead of all in their heads. A job aid is simply an information tool that people use when they actually do the work. And that distinguishes it from things like desk references or maybe SOPs, because if they can't use this when they actually do the work, guiding their procedure then they're going to have to do it from memory. And that puts it all into a whole different ballgame as far as training and retention of information. So job aid essentially puts the how-to information in their hands and in a sequence and in a standardized way, typically standardized format and fairly standardized content. So you're talking about, when you're talking about a job aid, you're not talking about something that's plastered on the wall, but something that is actually in the hand of the machinist or of the operator or of the assembler or how is it positioned by excellent, the, yeah, the excellent question sorry to interrupt <laughs> not at all <laughs> but i'm excited about this stuff <laughs> sure. uh, actually it we talk about packaging and placement because that it could be plastered on the wall it could be hanging out over a workstation uh, it could be uh, on a, on a, a smartphone as an app it, it, there's lots of delivery mechanisms Depending on the work environment, what will work for the people who do the work? Uh, but think, I guess, think of the media as sort of a delivery truck. These are simply ways to get that information in the hands of the user. If that information itself isn't useful and visual and helpful to people doing it, they're not going to use it, regardless of the media. So, you know, you can make, some people try to make a case for very, very exotic forms of uh, delivery of these things. For example, uh, one, there's a product out that auto mechanics use. It's a headband with a little TV screen, and they can instantly access uh, documents and uh, SOPs and procedures and, and job aids as they're repairing a vehicle. And they simply kind of look off to the right, and they can see this image of what appears to be a full page of, of text. Uh, a great way to deliver that information, but if that information itself is not useful and functional for them, they're not going to use that tool. And by, by useful and functional, you mean not a dense page of text, but something that the eye can actually follow. It can pick out what's important. It can move across the page. That's the kind of thing that you specialize in. Absolutely, because if you think about it, when you're using a job aid, you read the information, and now you go do it. You've got to retain that bit of information just long enough to go do it. So if it's a paragraph, it's less likely I'm going to remember what to do and I'll have to go back and re read what it is I was looking at. So one of our you know guidelines that we will be talking about a little bit later is to chunk that information out mm -hmm. so that it's, it's in pieces that I can read, go do it, look back, and actually uh, read the next step. 
Yes, it's a it's a very interesting um, model of of training and. Um, transfer of knowledge because, uh, and this is one of the things I want to make sure that people understand, that you don't just work out how to present the information in a way that the human eye and the human brain can connect with and retain and use, but you also build in a layer, and I'm going to be using your language here, a layer of owning that information that I find is quite unique and I would like you to give us a description, a beginning description of that, of this uh, ownership piece. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story about that. The, the traditional way that most of us in the training and job aid business have done job aids and training is we find subject matter experts or master performers, people who really do a good job and we interview them, and we write the job aid, and we develop the training. And that's a fairly traditional model. Well, I was working with some technicians in the power industry and doing just that. I was sitting down there, and I'm just, they're telling me, you know, the ratchet retractor crosses the latch catch and pushes, you know, all this jargon, and I'm trying to figure out and write the procedures and things down. And I had this stunning uh, epiphany, at least for me. And that was, why don't I teach them how to take that information and structure it and give them a little technique for how to put that procedure down and let them write. I would function then as a guide, as a coach, as an editor, a mentor, but let them write that down. And because I could certainly teach them how to do this much more quickly than I could learn their job of 20 years experience. It just... You know, so blinding glimpse of the obvious. And when I first did this, that was one of those ancillary benefits. All of a sudden, hey, they own it. You know, they've now written this thing. Guess what? They have some pride of ownership and authorship. And when it comes time to make a change, typically the old model, they'd have to come running back to me or somebody else. And maybe two weeks later, I would get that change accomplished for them. But if they own it, and they find it useful, then they're now involved in the process of actually making and owning those changes for themselves. Uh, and it's an amazingly simple notion, and to me at least, it made a big difference. You know what it is? It's a principle. It's a principle of human interaction, that what we create, we own. That's that thing that we talk about, about discipline, that we try to get people to be disciplined. But Albert Einstein told us, he gave us a definition of, of discipline that's exactly what you're talking about, which is discipline is remembering what you love. Einstein said that. Discipline is remembering what you own is essentially what that is, that you, you just care about it. So are you also saying, um, Jeff, that, you, that there's a way for operators to go right into the program and to change a standard, or do they have to go through an engineer? Do they have to have it authorized? It sounds like it's a pretty bit... You know, it's a bit of fussy work there to get the two systems to work of, you know, the ownership system and also the validation system. Well, if I were king of the workplace, it would be absolutely seamless. Obviously, that's not realistic. So you still have, and you do want, I mean, obviously the process engineers are the ones who are aware of the, the specifications and the musts and mm -hmm. do's and things that have to be there in the procedure. Mm -hmm. Uh the people who do the work, however, are the ones that translate that into uh, real work terms that they can understand and actually accomplish. 
uh, it would be nice if there was always a meeting of the minds and a seamless way for those things to get updated and changed. If, in fact, uh, and I'll admit, there is no perfect system for that. Mm-hmm. But when the process engineers are now aware of the, the roles that these uh, operators, technicians, or the people uh, at the work, that they're part of this process. They aren't just the receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, Somebody just throws the information over the fence. And they're supposed to pick it up and do it. That they're now part of that team, uh, that becomes uh, sort of a self-regulating process. And part of the reason for that is process engineers, too, or whoever writes the procedures, uh, their workload is awfully heavy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody welcomes the team effort if, in fact, it helps the team. Mm-hmm. So uh, bottom line is, uh, yeah, there's nothing perfect, but the places where this starts uh, working and rolling, it tends to grease the skids a little more quickly. And that ownership is a powerful, powerful incentive. Well, you know, the thing is that what you're describing is perhaps a little bit of an adjustment in the system. But as I hear it, it also gives the opportunity for engineers, as you were just describing, engineers and value-add associates, to have a real reason to be collaborative. So if if, uh, operators could just uh, change change a procedure at will, then you would... Uh, break the connectivity. So actually the model really works in favor of some higher values and higher principles of alignment and um, and excellence in an organization. That's very, very interesting. When we come back, will you please tell us about SMART, which is your way of uh, making sure that these job aids, what I call visual standards, are complete. And um, I think people will be very interested in that what that acronym means and how to use it in their own development of job aids. Thanks very much, Jeff. I'll see you back in a moment. We're sliding into a break. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please come back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, 
Back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn, and we're back looking at visual standards with Jeff Nelson, who is the president and founder of Expert OJT. We're talking about why visual standards are important and the process for developing them. In a moment, we're going to be talking in more detail about what are the guidelines for developing complete standards that are very useful. Jeff calls them job aids. I want to give you uh, the phone number to Expert uh, OJT so that you can be in touch if you want to and their website. Their website is expertojt.com and there's no punctuation, expertojt.com and the phone number is 888-963-9333, 888-963-9333. Jeff is an expert in this field and not only that but he has developed uh, design modalities, design approaches that will make sure that uh, your standards are not just excellently formulated but also used. And I think you said that you have a customer now that you've been working with for 10 years and 600 of the people, 600 of the people in that company have already gone through, have learned how to do standards, are currently engaged in this process over the last 10 years, and the company continues to invest in um, creating this way of thinking on the shop floor. Did I get that right? You absolutely did. We have, we have many companies that, that are doing that, and they've been doing it for a while. And again, the reason is it works. Uh, because, you know, people aren't finding this as a useful tool. And I don't take credit for that. What I take credit for is we've got the people on the floor producing these things and it's not unusual. One work cell will pick up on the process and write these procedures or job aids following some of our guidelines and then somebody else comes by and says, hey, that's, that looks pretty neat. How'd you do that? Mm-hmm. And that's how it starts uh, you know, spreading uh, at least mm-hmm. uh, amongst the uh, folks on the floor. And one of the challenges which you mentioned just before the break was if we're going to have people doing the work, writing these, then a little model of what information they might need would be helpful. And okay. again, so if you'd like, I think we need to probably get into <laughs> smart. Another- <laughs> yes, let's, talk, let's talk about smart, about getting smart. Go Thank ahead, you for please. asking. And if yeah. you're taking notes, this is something to take notes on because it's a very clear model of how to set up your job aids and it's a template uh, against which you can assess whether or not these visual standards are complete and are going to be useful to you. So please, Jeff, do. Sure. Well, this was another blinding glimpse of the obvious. Not so obvious at first, but at one point, uh, it, it finally hit me that using this acronym SMART, which stands for Start, Materials, Actions, Result, and Task Standards. Mm-hmm. that I could actually sit down with an operator or somebody and say, okay, what starts this procedure or this process or this task? We use the word task. What situations, signals, settings, or signs start this task? Second, what materials do I need in order to do this task? And materials means anything. Uh, Information, other people, uh, the space or location of where I need to do this, personal protective equipment, anything. Next, what actions 
do I need to perform and in what sequence? Actions, steps, but action ha happens to work better for the acronym because if I use steps, it wouldn't, wouldn't make sense. Anyhow, mm -hmm. uh, results. What do I have at the end that I didn't have at the beginning? What is it that I produce? Task standards. How do I know or will I know that I have done this correctly? So, when so you're... So that means you're including a step that says, check your work or verify that the above happened. Yes, exactly. When people perform work, you know, the, the accomplished performers, they're doing that all along. You know, every step they know whether to tweak or not. But certainly at the end, there is that final, is it right? And that's really what that test standard, and that could be several standards. How will I know that I've done this correctly? So if I'm going to write a job aid, what kind of information should I put in the job aid? Hmm. How about, here's when you start the procedure, here's the materials, here are the steps, actions, here's the result, and here are the test standards. And I think it's well worth saying what you and I usually encounter when people say we have visual standards, and they usually say visual standards are job aids. What I see that they have is just a list, like you said before, just a list of steps with a few pictures thrown in. And, you know, it represents a good amount of work, but it's not always effective work. And so what you're talking about is making your job aids count, making these visual standards actually produce the result that they're intended to do. Absolutely. And if you think about it, uh, most of the job aids that I've seen, and, and I would challenge anybody listening to take a look at what you already have out there. Usually very, very good on the materials, tell, you know, telling me what I need, references, telling me the steps, but very rarely do I see job aids that tell me when I'm supposed to start this. We sort of assume that people will just know. The what do you mean? Sequence. What do you mean? Give us an example of why you need to indicate the when. Well, a, a good example is how many people is out there in the listening audience can press pedals, can turn dials, can pull levers, and I'd virtually say you can all do that. I how can many do of you that? can fly? Yeah, how many of you can fly a seven forty seven? Oh, hmm. What's the well? That's what a pilot does. A pilot pushes pedals and turns dials and wheels and pulls levers. Why can't you fly a seven forty seven? Because you don't know when to do each of those actions. You don't know what the signal is that I'm supposed to push the pedal now. So the whens, the starts, the cues, whatever you want to call them, are critical. Oh, you mean it, like the conditions, the conditions of work that tells you now is the time to yes. push that. I see. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we've got signals, situation settings, signs, or conditions. Yeah, how do you know it's time? You just walk in and start doing it? You know, you're, you're doing a lathe operation. What, you just walk in and fire it up? Or are there, does a work order come in? Or does the boss come over and say, hey, we got this workload? Or does the part show up at the front end of the assembly? There's something that starts, and it's very critical that you get that captured. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, then at the, and at the back end is the result. Again, a lot of procedures are very good at telling me the steps, but what do I have at the end? Mm -hmm. And the big one is, how do I know I've done this correctly? How should I check my work? Now, I want to say this because uh, people who have been listening to my show uh, will have heard me say that the kind of 
that visual standards are the least powerful of all categories of visual function. They are the least, they engage the human will the least because they simply sit there like a sign and tell us what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, but this is um, uh, an adaptation of visual standards that I think is really well worth, listeners, well worth your consideration because it builds in the human will because the process that Jeff is describing of going through this with operators sitting in the room or sitting alongside of you, you're mentoring them, is getting them to go deeply into their work and to own their work and to see their work through right now the framework of SMART so that when that flat old sign gets stuck up or hung on a clothesline over the uh, workstation, that's my work or it's maybe Marianne's work or George's work but it's been validated by operators and owned by operators, and it has those interesting um, elements that only somebody who actually does the job, and all due respect engineers, and not some engineer at his desk only, um, has put into place. And so there's much more connectivity in this approach. This is the way to make that which is not powerful visual standards, flat piece of paper, into something that is powerful, effective, useful, and has great impact. So I, I, I wanted to make that connection for people. Okay, so, and by the way, uh, if you miss those notes, uh, please uh, listen to the podcast, or you can be in touch with, uh, with Jeff through his website, expertojt.com. And especially now, we're going to go into a really interesting um, riff that has to do with how visuality fits in. So now that you have the clarity of the information, as Jeff is describing, my next question to you, Jeff, is, so where does visuality fit in? How, how does, you know, are we just going to be sticking pictures into this? Well, uh, in some cases, that's sort of what happens. And again, because it's so easy now to produce photographs and cheap to do that, you can tend to just overload it. Uh, as we talked about it before, remember that we had a, a client that had a document that was actually one gigabyte in size, many pages and a lot of pictures. And that was the reason of such a huge file is we had all of these photos. Now, if they were all functional and served a purpose, uh, I suppose you could justify that. But the fact is people tend, because it's easy to do, Let's just have pictures, 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 pictures. Mm, mm. And, you know, like anything else, if it's the, the boy who cried wolf. Pretty soon it becomes uh, background noise. Nobody pays attention because the pictures, you know, are it's overwhelming and you're not sure which ones are really important. Mm, mm. So. That's so interesting. So there's a way of using photographs very in a, in a very designed way, just as you're moving through a procedure that will help us focus on and see the standard, see the SOP, and make sure that it's valid and also effective. There's a way of using pictures. Absolutely. Oh wow! You know what? I think you've got some tips for us. And you know, everyone, I <laughs> really Jeff has got <laughs> Jeff has got great tips. And we're going to go into it. We're going to slide into a break in a moment. 
great tips on making your job aids visual and making the visual component really effective. And so get your pencils out and listen for this. And uh, and I hope, uh, Jeff, that you'll be willing to send this list to anybody who's in touch with you just in case you don't keep up with it uh, in terms of listening to um, to us walk through as many of these 15 rules or guidelines as possible. And I, I really love what you're doing because uh, managers, Jeff, managers are always glomming on to what I call doorway number two visual standards, and wanting that to carry the bulk of the quality, of the speed, of the on-time delivery for their plant. This is in hospitals as well. It's in, it's in pharmaceuticals. It's in automotive. It's everywhere. And those job aids visual standards are so ineffective because they're just hanging there like wallpaper. So I'm really, really excited about uh, this discussion because finally we can kind of resurrect visual standards and give them a more powerful place in the pantheon of categories of visual function. So we're going to slide into a break now and uh, please come back and uh, thank you Jeff, see you in a minute. Okay. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to The Visual Workplace, and I'm here with Jeff Nelson, founder and owner of Expert OJT. Jeff has spent the last 30 years of his life developing an approach to visual standards, to visual SOPs, to what he calls job aids that is very, very useful, that looks at helping people find the job aids themselves, own it. He trains people in his process. He certifies them. The uh, people who are doing this are 
trained and certified by him, but he's somewhere else. The process is knowable. The process is also um, um, a kind of mentoring process that will enable you to build uh, standards layer upon layer upon layer throughout the plant. And do you usually begin in, uh, for example, the main value-add area and then branch out into maintenance and into maybe the offices as well? Give us an idea before we go into our our guidelines um, of the scope of the applications. Uh, Typically, we go in because a client is having issues possibly with uh, performance issues, producing errors, problems. Uh, and or there's some sort of requirement uh, because of increased business to train a lot of people. And whatever they've been using using and doing just hasn't been working. So typically we'll go into wherever the, the value-added area is that, that has the most need or hurt. And again, because of word of mouth and small successes, uh, the word sort of spreads. And eventually, uh, ideally, it would work its way back up the chain. Uh, because we do want managers and decision makers, obviously, involved in this and aware of the process. Are you saying that they create uh, standards of their own? Sure, because you know one of the the kind of events in the chain is how do managers check the work of those who are doing the work, and how do you know all the way up the chain what is the checklist of what they ought to be looking at mm-hmm. to ensure that things are happening down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, in fact, become little uh, executive desk references, I call them, uh, and job aids for how do you go about checking or spot checking things. Very good. And it, it's interesting. Um, I've attended your workshops many, many years ago, and I am so struck by how much um, uh, content but also practice you squeeze into two days. And I think you have some really charming way of putting this. Something like you get 25 years of best practice in, in two days or something. Of that sort. Days. Yeah, sure. It, it's uh, really like that. It's very, very <laughs> uh, condensed and, uh, you know, action-packed. Well, and the reason for that is we take a performance-based approach to training. That is, what do people need to do? And let's put a lot of practice and training aimed at that so that we kind of cut the fluff out and focus on actually producing, learning about and producing job aids. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the focus, and in that, in two days, we can really accomplish a lot. Yeah, I remember uh, g- going home tired, going into my hotel, <laughs> saying, oh, my God, another day of this. <laughs> it was and, excellent. <laughs> and I'm always so pleased when people leave <laughs> tired because I know they've been working hard. But it yeah. is a workshop, a yeah, workshop. Not it a is. <laughs> and you have some really cool automated products. Of, I don't recall their names, but I bet you do. Yeah, one is the uh, Job Aid Writer tool. And that's for Word. It's uh, macros and things that make writing the job aid a lot easier and faster and more consistent because it does follow the smart model and that information is automatically prompted and punched in with the software. A training matrix, which allows you to track training, uh, is an application that we've developed in Excel, a spreadsheet, and that again makes it a little more convenient 
to track the development of job aids and who's been mm-hmm. trained on them. Mm-hmm. So you can focus on the work itself. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you. So let's and, and we're going to talk about your now your new about to be new cloud based offering towards the end of the show. But let's start uh, walking through this wonderful list of fifteen guidelines for making your job aids visual and these are kind of rules many of them are rules some of them are suggestions but most of them are rules and i think you'll find them very interesting we'll try to get through all 15 if not please be in touch with jeff uh let me see your number 888-963-9333 yeah thank you okay so where does visuality where does visual fit in how can we use visual photos effectively in our job aids, in our visual standards. Okay, everybody sharpen your pencils. I'm going to go through some of the things we found over the years to make a difference. First, the look away rule. People should be able to read a step, look away to do it, look back and find where they are. Sub bullets under that that help the look away rule are to number or letter steps. If sequence is important, if it's not, bullets are fine. Put white space between steps or draw lines between steps, again, to help me look away and look back. And one of the big ones is one sentence per step. Don't give me three or four sentences in a clump. Break it out so that, again, I can read it, look away, and do it. So would you also, for example, embold that step for the main point and then give more detail, or would you really try to avoid the detail? Well, uh, we we have another rule. <laughs> it's called the be bold rule. Okay. It's about using emphasis, uh, but use it sparingly because again, the more you use it, the less effect it has. So typically, number letter the steps, but if uh, words like sometimes, always that would change the meaning of a sentence, we would italicize, underline, or bold those. Sometimes use reverse type white uh, letters on a black background. But again, that is to be used very sparingly because it is an attention-getter and you don't want to wear it out. Mm, Very good. Okay, next rule. Mm -hmm. One-stop shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Organize the information so that I get it when I need it. If it's on paper, then I want it on the same or opposing pages. Don't send me to another reference or away from the uh, job aid if you don't have to. For example... If I have a matrix of some specifications, repeat that information right there in the job aid. Don't send me to the manual that's got that chart. Pull that information. Make it easy for me. Mm, mm, excellent. Uh, context focus for that, complicated. That's the next one. That's number three. Context focus. Number three. For complicated pictures, show me the forest, a picture of the big item, and then zoom in on a tree. For example. You have a panel, and it's got 40 enunciators, lights, controls, dials, and buttons. And you want me to start. And the picture shows your thumb close up on a button, and you have the user has no idea where you are on this panel. Mm. So show the forest. Take a picture of the whole panel, and then an inset with the zoom in on a particular area you want me to see. Mm. You see this on weather maps. Look in your newspaper. They'll show you the a large area of the country, and then they'll zoom in. It's a great technique. Context focus. And you could you could put a red circle around that button on the big panel. 
You can absolutely, and that's always a color like that is always a is a great tool. Pictures first. Next item. Yes. Uh, when you're writing a job aid, put the pictures before the steps. And I know that a lot of people writing job aids put the pictures after the steps. Uh, it works better if you put the pictures before for this reason. If I'm in the workplace and I'm looking at the actual equipment, I look at the job aid and I can now match, oh, actual equipment, the picture, because I, I can see the picture. Then I can look to the right or below the picture for what do you want me to do. It's a great way to link the real equipment to a picture of the equipment to this. So what do you want? Uh, the steps or what you want me to do? So you're actually working with the way the brain works, the way the eye sees. You know, I guess I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but sure. You know, and it just it just makes it a little more logical and convenient for people to link the real environment to the job aid. Mm, very good. And in in view of that, another point. Point five would be over the shoulder. Show the pictures from the same point of view as whoever's doing the work. And an auxiliary item that with that is show the human element in that picture. Show me what I'll look like when I'm doing it because that helps me scale it and identify where it is that I'm actually going to be when I'm doing this. So if you can, over the shoulder, same point of view as the person doing the work, and show people in the picture if it's possible. You know, I've seen that where the picture has actually been the reverse of what the the view is. They just, you know, they just put it in reverse, and it's sort of like you're standing on your head trying to figure out what what is this. You well, know? back back in the old days when we used photographs, uh, at least my dad told me about this. Uh, of course, personally, I didn't have any experience with photographs, but we actually had a job aid where the assembly had been reversed. The the negative had been reversed. And we couldn't, everybody's struggling with, wait a minute, how come this, it took us a while to figure out that when they printed this, the picture had actually been reversed. So mm-hmm. it made it difficult. Um, okay, item number seven is the real talk rule. So number six was put people in the picture. Yes, thank you. Right, that's right. Okay, we want number to humanize seven. the activity. Okay, go ahead, please. Real talk rule. Write it the way you would say it. If you were sitting there explaining it, a step to somebody, how would you say it? The, the problem occurs sometimes when people become the trainer or sometimes the engineer. They want to impress people and not necessarily communicate. Uh, one that I saw some years ago was uh, energize the appurtenance to within the specifications enamored or numbered. Or it was. Okay, so I'm going, what do you mean by that? Tell me. Translate. Please. Well, we want you to press the on button. Well, why don't you just say it that way? <laughs> so, anyhow, write it the way you would say it. Uh, okay. Visual simplicity. I'm going to skip to one down the list here. Everything on that job aid is screaming for attention. Pictures, colors, lines, shading, everything. So make sure it serves a function. If you can't explain why you're doing it or why it's there, Maybe it doesn't need to be there. You mean why the photo isn't there? Why you included a photo? Why you included a photo or why you put all these red circles around things on the photo or maybe you've used shading behind the photo. If it doesn't serve a function of guiding the eye and controlling where the person's going to be looking and what you want them to see, you need to really ask yourself, why am I doing that? Mm. Mm. And a very good example when we talked about this before was the use of cartoons. 
give us a little on that, please. Sure. I had a lady who called me one time and said, you know, I'd like to come to your workshop, and I hope you're going to talk about putting cartoons in the picture, in the job aids. And I had to explain that not really. She was convinced that you had to have cartoons for humor to add interest. Fact is, if that procedure doesn't help me and tell me how to do something, and I don't, if I don't find that useful, you can put, you know, gold-plated parts on that job aid, and people aren't going to use it. Mm-hmm. It's the information that makes it work. And you know, I have found. I just want a little footnote here. Uh, I, I there was a lot of popularity around little funny little uh, cartoons that came from Japan, which the Japanese love, and they were brought into the United States and. I mean, I always found them to be so childlike, which is very appealing. The Japanese like that kind of uh, type of cartoon. But I was always offended by them because it made at least us big, hairy, sweaty Americans, uh, you know, it it changed our personal identity. I'm Mm -hmm. just commenting that if it's a cartoon... Well, you know, um, Gary Larson is a good cartoonist. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gary Larson. <laughs> There's okay. a cartoon. Okay, if go it ahead. was a Gary Larson cartoon, I'd use it. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, please. Okay. Uh, the walk-down rule, and that one says when you're writing a procedure or a job aid, don't sit at your desk trying to remember and recall what to do. Go out and actually do it. Sounds obvious, but the fact is there are little cues and things that you see when you're really doing the task that you just aren't going to remember. But when you really do it, you'll notice those. So get out and actually do it. Write what you did. Do it the next step. Write it down. And you'll find that the job aid is going to work much better the first time out of the gate. Excellent. Excellent. Let's slide into a break and we'll come back. It looks like we may be able to finish the rules before we say goodbye and say a few things about the cloud, Jeff. So thanks very much. Okay. See you in a minute. Please come back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, it's Gwendolyn. Hi. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace. This is our last segment. We're with Jeff Nelson, who is the president and founder of Expert OJT, where we're using the expertise of on-the-line work, whether or not that's on-the-line work for managers or executives, uh, value-add associates, machinists, nurses, um, uh, engineers, by the way, we love engineers, and they are unfortunately the too easy um, a focus of too many of our uh, comments that are not flattering. But engineers, some of my best friends are engineers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I love engineers, and we're going to have uh, some engineers on the uh, on the show just to to show you what their amazing contribution is. But we are going down the list of 15 guidelines or rules. These sound more like rules to me for making your job aids more effective by using visuality or the principles of seeing in your job aids. And we got down to uh, rule number 10. And um, and I think you just carry on. Rule number 10 was the walk down rule. Get away from your desk. Go down to wherever the action is. Go to Gemba. And write it down from there because you're going, to rem- you're going to remember many things that will not occur to you if you're not at the spot itself. Thank you. Carry on. Okay. The next is the no, no rule. That's N-O-K-N-O-W. Remember that the job aid, a job aid is guiding performance. So put the how in the job aid. Put the visual in the job aid. Put the no in the training. For example, if I need to understand uh, there's definitions and theory and background information I need in order to do a procedure, don't put it in the job aid, put it in the training that will go along with the job aid. Why? Because when you're using this, you want to know what do you want me to do? If all of a sudden you're explaining the background and things are glowing red and smoking out here, I just want to know what do you want me to do? So again, Break that information out and don't put the knowledge into the job aid, put it into the training that goes with the job aid. So Uh how in the job aid, the no in the training. Okay, I need help. Would you say it again? I actually didn't get that one. Try me it again. I'm a little bit slow on this. Okay. Yeah, keep in mind uh, the job aid is telling me how to do something. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. The know or the knowledge that I need in order to do those steps belongs in my head, and the way it gets there is through the training. Because if I'm doing, let's say that I am out in the plant, and all of a sudden I have an enunciator going off, bing, 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 and I've got to do something. If all of a sudden you're explaining to me the theory of enunciators or the, you know, how things are going on, in the machinery behind that, and that hasn't got direct relevance to the step, all it's doing is getting in my way. Well, would you not put something like, if the enunciator goes off, uh, shut down the machine or something like that? Well, sure, ab- absolutely. Okay. But if, if as part of that, you're now saying uh, machine shutdowns are uh, a function of the ratchet retractor hitting the blah, 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 you know, and if you start going into big I explanations see. that see. don't directly relate to what do you want me to do. Okay. They might help me understand it, great, but at that, put that in the training because, again, this is a tool that I'm using when I'm really doing the work. I see. So it's exactly what you said a moment ago. It's what do I do, 
not what do I know. That's why you say no, no. Yeah, no, no. no. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's my. It's a good one. Yeah, no, it's a good it's one. It's my clever way of trying to, <laughs> to make it memorable. You're a clever man. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's hope. Okay, warnings first. And I'm hoping everybody now accepts this, but you still see it. That is, put warnings, cautions, important, or anything you want, notes that apply to a step, put those before the step that those apply to. So you would have the picture on the left, then you would mm-hmm. have the warning, and then you would have maybe with the return a space below it, here's the step itself. Correct. Okay. Now, seems obvious, but again, uh, sometimes you'll see the warning after a step. Of course, by now, things are glowing red and smoking, and it, the warning's too late. So put the warnings before the step they apply to. That's excellent. Thank you. Okay. Now, this one, uh, there's a fellow named Steve Krug who's written a book about websites, but the title of the book was Don't Make Me Think, and I thought, you know, that really applies when you're using a job aid, if whoever prepares this job aid hasn't really put the thought in and leaves it for me to read between the lines or try to figure out what to do, Mm -hmm. they haven't done their job right in that job aid. I shouldn't have to sit there and try to figure out, okay, what what are they saying? What's this Uh, mean? So you've got to put the work, and it's work. It's not easy to communicate these things clearly and consistently each time. But you've got to put the work up front into that job aid. Because you don't want the other person to have to go, hey, what are they talking about? Hang on for a second. You were talking about interviewing people, that you learned how or you taught people how to mentor other people so they could think through their job aids. So when you're interviewing people, do you actually dwell on this role after the framework is set into place? And you say, okay, we need to go back now. There's some pieces here that are too complicated. Do you ask the person who is owning that particular procedure to... Uh, go through that and to simplify, and, and, and is it that you're guiding them? Because uh, it sounds, it, it's quite a sophisticated, I'm a writer by profession, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I love to write, but boy, sometimes my editor says gobbledygook, and I've got to spend three hours on something that took me 15 <laughs> minutes to write. Well, as you know, I mean, it's a lot easier to write a paragraph than it is one really meaningful sentence. And so I think the, with with the experts who are writing the job aids, we always find out uh, if those are well written by testing them, by trying those job aids out on people who don't already know the task or who okay. don't already have this job aid. Okay. And that will show us the flaws. Okay. Um, and, and quite, I guess you could call that another rule. <laughs> when in doubt, test it out. Oh, good. Um, good. <laughs> That's great. You know, because you can, you, can all, or, or you can argue about how many teeth a horse has. But let's just go out and count them. So the same thing here. Don't get into debates about the wording or wordsmithing. Get it down and then take it out and actually mm-hmm. test it. Very good. Very good. Thank you. So we only have a minute left, and we have, we have two more rules. One of them is keys are key. I'm just going to go through this quickly because I've been given a crib sheet. Mm-hmm. Keys are the key. Make sure your buttons and your control keys look key. Box the text. And the right, right rule which is you need the right information in the right format to guide the performer. Did I get that right? 
Very good. Yes, you did. Thank you. Well, let me just spend the next minute, and it's our final minute, for you to say one or two words about the clouds that people know. And I want to also encourage you to be in touch with Jeff Nelson and his group at expertojt.com because this is useful. It is a substantive way of doing standards. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about TWI. This is a perhaps a subset of TWI, but it has such depth in and of itself and it's been really tested out in the workplace for 30 years in a way that TWI uh, uh, didn't actually think about back in uh, World War II. So tell us about the cloud and then we're going to have to drift. The cloud. Um, This is a cloud-based workshop that will be launched in June and basically it's a combination of electronic modules, live coaching from an instructor, and some paper-based exercises. The reason is people kept saying to us, you know, we really want to learn this now. We don't want to wait for a workshop. We want to learn it immediately. So we're going to be launching this uh, program, and it'll be available 24-7, and we'll actually walk through all of the skills needed to write job aids. Fantastic. Wow. That's a great innovation. Jeff Nelson, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me and with us and for sharing so much of your knowledge. It's been very useful. And I've got three seconds left to say this is the Visual Workplace. We're so glad you tuned in. And I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. See you the next time. We appreciate your joining us this week for the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.